Hello and welcome to Strange Sound. I'm Joe. Glad to have you with me. Uh, here we are, another week. My goodness, what a week it's been, too. <laughs> Probably sounds like the same episode you've heard a million times before, right? I think I start every episode the same way. It's like, oh my God, what a week. What a week I've been through. Oh my goodness. What a week we've all been through, right? But, you know, things are looking up a little bit. I should just follow up with a post that I'd, I'd had some weeks back about vaccinations and getting vaccinated. Um, I actually got my first dose of the Pfizer vaccine this week. Um, things change rather abruptly, I have to say, uh, around here in upstate New York. Suddenly, vaccines were available all over the place. Appointments were available all over the place. I think it was because the governor, perhaps because he was backed into a corner, um, started uh, reducing the age um, standard for who could get vaccinated. And he reduced it to my age group. And I was able to set an appointment and go over to a vaccination pod that's like within walking distance of my workplace. And I went over there and I got the shot on, on Thursday, along with a whole herd of other people. There are many, many people there. And I think 10 people giving shots and maybe 10 people checking people in and, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of people at the pod sort of servicing, uh, the patients, so to speak. It took me about an hour, but, uh, it was well worth it. That included the 15-minute afterward period where you have to sit around to see whether you're going to pass out or not or break out into hives or explode or whatever it is they think might happen to you. None of those things happened. There was one person who passed out. I should say, too, that at this particular vaccination pod, and uh, uh, I will preface this by saying that Utica is a relatively diverse community, um, everyone at this vaccination pod was white. And there were, there were probably, I'm estimating, about 100 people in there uh, in line and at various stages of the process. And they were all white people. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, a little, it was a little gobsmacking, frankly. But, you know, and it's partly maybe a product of the particular neighborhood of Utica that it's in. I mean, it is actually just over the line into the town of, I think, Marcy or New Hartford at that point. I think New Hartford. But um, it was right next to a major hospital. So, you know, it's, I I don't know why everyone was white. I have no idea. A lot of elderly people, a lot of younger people who probably had pre-existing conditions, that sort of thing. So I just wanted to sort of update people on that. I did do a post on this. I did do an episode of the podcast on this a few weeks ago. Um, I am now in the um, group of people who have begun their vaccination regime. Um, again, I got the Pfizer vaccine. I'm going to get the booster in a few weeks. And uh, so I have to say, things fell into place rather rapidly here in upstate New York. I don't know how it's happening elsewhere in the country, but my hope is that it is happening that quickly for you as well. Um, So we'll see. Uh, You know, a hopeful sign. I will say that much. And I am happy to say that much. Anyway, 
Um, as is my custom. You've heard my disclaimer before. Um, I'm not. I'm probably not going to repeat it here. It's su- suffice to say that Strange Sound is reflective only of my own opinions, uh, not of anyone associated with me. So this is just me bloviating. These are my opinions. Some of them my ideas. And one of the things that I get into is, of course, my furious rant um, blog post that I do every week, which I will read on this podcast forthwith and toot sweet. And this week, this week's furious rant, dated March 12th, 2021, is entitled To the Rescue. And again, you can read this at big-green.net. Just follow the blog link and go to the um, go to the blog and look under political rants. Um, it is a furious rant, as it were. And here it is: to the rescue. Congress approved the one point nine trillion dollar COVID rescue package this week. And while the final version didn't include everything I would have liked to have seen in the bill, there's some decent stuff in there. What's more, it is generally on a scale that approaches that of the problems we face. This is a departure in one would hope a trend away from the post-Reagan neoliberal consensus and towards a broader notion of what government may be called upon to accomplish on behalf of ordinary people. We have often heard pundits spin a false dichotomy between, quote, big government liberalism, unquote, and quote, small government conservatism, unquote. The fact is, conservatives and the right, more generally, are all in favor of big government so long as it serves the interests of the powerful. The fact that the rescue package turns this on its head is an indication of how far we've come in recent years despite all the resistance. We're overdue for that sort of turn, frankly. We've been living in the Reagan economic universe for 40 years, essentially my entire adult life. With labor under siege, bloated military budgets, corporate-friendly multilateral investor rights agreements, popularly known as free trade agreements, and imperial swagger on the world stage. Obviously, one bill is not going to change all of that, but it's a step in the right direction, and a relatively bold one at that compared to what we're used to. Sure, the COBRA subsidies are kind of stupid and a massively inefficient way to extend health insurance to unemployed people. Sure, the check should have been $2,000 because that's what everyone, including Trump, was calling for just after the election. Sure, they should have kept the $15 minimum wage because it was a solid provision that would have pegged the rate to inflation instead of giving employers a gradually increasing discount on the cost of labor. But what's there is mostly good. Biden and others have said that provisions in this bill will cut child poverty in half. I think that's great, but it's kind of like dividing the baby. If we can cut it in half, how about spending more and eliminating it entirely? So much of what's in the legislation addresses inequality in a substantive way, but the solutions are almost all temporary ones. It's incumbent on progressives to push the administration and Congress to build these initiatives out into more permanent benefits. We will see what kind of an effect this bill will have on families and individuals. If it's dramatic enough, that could create the kind of popular momentum needed to push a broader agenda forward. We know what some of that will look like. The minimum wage, 
labor reforms, etc. We need a wealth tax, not so much to generate revenue, it will do that, but to reduce inequality and lessen the power and influence of the ultra-wealthy. I'm talking about an upper limit on assets, something well south of a billion dollars. That's the kind of tax system we need. This could have come out much worse. And I think a lot of credit is due progressives like Bernie Sanders and some of the great people in the House. Their fingerprints are all over the more progressive pieces of this, and that's cause for celebration. Love you, Joe. And again, you can read that at big-green.net if you care to see the text version and uh, comment on it, share it, uh, say hi to me, say hello to me, whatever. Uh, I don't have very much to add to that today. I, I will say that um, just a couple of points on this rescue package, as has been discussed on other blogs and much more intelligently than I can go into, um, I think the reason why they um, made COBRA a fully paid-for system um, for unemployed people because COBRA is extremely expensive. The reason why they did that instead of extending something like Medicare to uh, people who are unemployed um, and who need health insurance, which would have been a much more efficient and cost-effective way of doing it. I mean, from the user standpoint, it's, it, it really wouldn't have made much difference. But <laughs> uh, from the... Uh, provider standpoint, it would have been a much more efficient way than to to have the government paying the full price of employer-provided insurance, which is much more expensive per person than Medicare. Um, the reason why they didn't do that is because they don't want people to get used to that as a benefit. They don't want people to see that as something that could be extended because once you give it to them, it's kind of like, well, why are you taking it away now? I mean, why can't I just keep this? And other people, you know, would wonder, well, why can't I have that too? Well, the reason why you can't have it is because they don't want to give it to you <laughs> for a variety of reasons, not least of which are the profits of these big insurers, right? Anyway, there's a lot of stuff like that in there. I mean, we'll see some of the stuff is going to be, the way it's constructed is actually kind of clever in that it creates a tax benefit, for instance, for children that would be hard to repeal without characterizing it as a tax increase on these families. And since Republicans particularly are all against tax increases, supposedly, even though I know they've raised taxes on me in the past, um, they might be a little vulnerable on that. We'll see what the political calculus is in uh, in a number of months when this needs to be extended or renewed. Um, but it is an interesting dynamic that's being set up there. And the other thing I wanted to comment on briefly is something that I've talked about on the podcast before, which is a wealth tax. I did mention in my blog post that I think, you know, there should be an upper limit on wealth. Not because we necessarily need the revenue, because I personally think there's something to modern monetary theory, uh, but <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm an acolyte of it quite yet. But I mean, I, I think I think the principles that like Stephanie Kelton talks about with respect to modern monetary theory are, 
you know, make sense and are fundamentally true. And I think, you know, but let's, before I get into that, I just want to say that rather than as a means of raising revenue, even though it would raise revenue in a sense, because it would increase taxes on people, it's, it's partly a fairness issue and partly an issue having to do with political power. When people have billions of dollars, somebody like Jeff Bezos has over $100 billion, that is no longer money. That is power. That is influence. That is the ability to change the course of events. That is the ability to bend public policy in your direction. That's too much money in the hands of one person. I don't care what you do or what you invented. Nothing that you can do merits you having control over the economy or the political system of the United States or any other country. This is wealth at the level of the wealth of nations. It should not be in the possession of individual persons or families. That's not acceptable, and we should consider it not acceptable. So, I mean, my modest proposal, roughly speaking, would be to say something like, something like what, you know, Elizabeth Warren has proposed, which is, I think her proposal is something to the effect of everything up to $50 million that an individual possesses would not be taxed. Then the first dollar after $50 million gets taxed at two cents on the dollar. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But we can do better than that. And I think, you know, we can argue over what the graduations would be and what the stops would be, but maybe it would be something like that two cents on a dollar, that 2% tax on every dollar made or, or, or owned, I should say, over $50 million. And then when you get up to like $100 million, let's say, just to pull a number out of a hat, Maybe that goes up to 10 cents. So it's 10% on everything over $100 million. And then when it gets up to 150 or $200 million, maybe it's 50 cents. So every dollar you have after that point, 50 cents goes to the government. You know, maybe it's not $200 million. Maybe it's like $500 million. I don't care. Just find a place to do it. But someplace south of a billion dollars, that, sh- that rate should go up to 100%. So if you've got $5 billion that you packed away on the basis of what your workers at whatever business you have generated for you, that, in my opinion, is a severe distortion of the economy. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's exactly what free enterprise is supposed to do. Maybe that's exactly what capitalism is supposed to do, is just to make people rich beyond the dreams of Croesus. But honestly, that that is a distortion, and that is a very poor way to run a business if you ask me. And no one's asking me, but I'm telling them anyway. Because honestly, at that point, the government should step in and say, no, you're either going to redistribute this money to your workers or to your community, or we're going to do it for you. We're either going to redistribute it to your own workers, or we're going to redistribute it to other workers in some other respect. 
and you can take your choice. So maybe everything that you personally possess above a certain point that was generated by your business that made you wealthy, right? And again, you have to sort of distinguish between income and assets. I think it's kind of a combination of both here, right? You should be forced to part with most of that money and beyond a certain point, all of that money. Because we should not have billionaires. That's wrong. It's fundamentally wrong and immoral. And I think we need to get that into our heads. I think that's important. Maybe you don't agree, but I think it's important. And I think we should really consider this very strongly. In any case, as I've pointed out on my, on this podcast before, we do already have a wealth tax. It's just that it's a wealth tax that only ordinary people pay, right? Most people don't have stock portfolios. Those are overwhelmingly held by by the rich, by the wealthy in this country. Most people, the vast majority of their wealth is held in their home, in their domicile, in the place where they live, the house that they invested in over the course of years. That is their wealth. And they are taxed on that in most states, certainly in New York State. And again, this is not an anti-tax rant. I'm not against property taxes. I pay them. That's fine. The government needs to run. That's fine. But honestly, we're the only ones who pay a wealth tax. People who own a house or people who rent a house, by extension, they pay that same tax. A large portion of their rent goes to that tax, right? Their money is going to pay a wealth tax. You're paying a tax on owning an asset. But when it comes to liquid assets or assets in the form of stock portfolios or, you know, whatever, investments, money in the bank, that is not taxed. And that is ridiculous. That's not fair. They need to pay a tax too. And we need to readjust what's taxed in this society so that it's much more fair. And we can come up with a rate that would work for everybody. And graduations, you know, a progressive system of graduations, brackets that would work for everybody. Because right now, people like us who either own a home or rent and by an extension are paying taxes, we're, we're paying through the nose. I don't mind paying. I, I just don't want to be the only one. I don't want to see people with like piles of money in the bank and big stock portfolios going away scot-free. Fuck them. They need to pay up too. I don't understand why their wealth is exempt and mine is not. Because I don't really have wealth. All I have is a house. Right? And compared to everybody else in the world, yeah, that's wealth. But <laughs> honestly, why should we be the only ones paying? So anyway... That was the point I wanted to make, and that was my blog post for the day. If you need to know more about it, or if you want to know more about it, you don't need to know more about it. If you want to know more about it, go to big-green.net and follow the blog link. If you want to leave a one-minute voice message, uh, go to anchor.fm slash strange sound. 
You can also reach out to me at Strange Sound Pod on Twitter. We also have a Facebook page, though uh, I'm getting zucked this week for some strange reason. There is some kind of authentication issue on Facebook. I mean, maybe some of you folks out there have noticed my Facebook pages have been sort of um, not suspended, but my access to them has been um, mediated in some way. I'm not really, I don't really understand why, but it's like I can't post to them for some strange reason. (laughs) So I'm trying to sort that out. So, but you can find more information about us on there, but I would just go to big-green.net and follow the links for a podcast. You know, you can go to my anchor.fm site and you can see the various episodes. We're also available on Apple podcasts and Google podcasts and every other platform that you can think of, Spotify, whatever. You can find us on the Anchor app. Um, That's all I have for today. And thank you so much for listening. Reach out. Let me know what your thoughts are. If you agree with me, if you disagree with me, uh, let me know. If you want to hear more from me in some respect or if you want to push back, uh, by all means, reach out. Be glad to hear from you. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.